0: Here we go again. The globe is still warming up. Those ice caps are still melting like popsicles in a microwave. Hey, you know the drill by now. Let's keep the conversation about disasters and emergencies going.
1: This episode, we're bringing it all together. All the plans and supplies and research to practice what you've preached so that you'll know exactly what to do when disaster strikes or emergency harkens. I don't know. Y'all get the point
0: harkens. And hark, we have some answers, some suggestions, and some thoughts to take away in this episode of Globally Heated. So let's get to practicing.
1: Hello to everyone out there just trying to exist. I'm Sam. Of course you tried to speak an iambic pentameter. Why does that not surprise me at all? (laughs)
0: And i'm alex i personally love having cat hair in my hair in the morning after sitting in a chair that doesn't even touch my head
1: and, and this, this is globally heated
0: our little blue globe is going through some changes there's so much going on it can be hard to get past the headlines hyperbole sound bites and into the nuances complex facts and really important yet overlooked crunchy nougat centers of disaster, climate, social issues, and everything in betwixt.
1: So join us each week as we travel with you down the rabbit hole to investigate the intersections of disaster and climate with our everyday lives and what we can all do with this crazy, hectic, rapidly heating world of ours. welcome to episode four of Globally Heated. We'll stop telling you what episode it was supposed to be because that doesn't really matter anymore and I find it mildly obnoxious.
0: There was actually supposed to be episode three, but now it's four because of scheduling and plagues. Anyway, we're so glad you keep coming back. Or if this is your first episode, welcome, pleased to meet you. Have a seat, grab a drink. But don't forget to check out the prior episodes for just a little bit of context. It's going to be important, and we harp on context a lot. It's kind of our shtick. Okay, you did that? Excellent. All right, and everyone else, thank you for sticking with us through this short but wild ride. We're still really impressed with your resilience to auditory disasters, like this one, where Alex makes strange noises that the microphone picks up and assumes are words. This week, we're bringing it all together. You've made a plan. You've gathered your supplies, and now it's time to practice, practice, practice.
1: Disasters and emergencies often entail high stress and high anxiety, which can make it difficult to really think about what is going on and make decisions thoughtfully and responsibly. That's where practice comes in. If you do things enough times, they become habits, you form muscle memory, and you can figure out problems or issues well ahead of time and sort them out before it's an actual emergency.
0: Exactly. Just like we say the word practicing a whole bunch, you won't be able to get it out of your head at the end of this episode. you got to practice things to get them cemented in there. Think about fire drills in school. Those are disaster preparedness practice you've probably already done. You remember the controlled chaos the first time in the school year they did it? And then later in the year, everyone knew what to do, and so they'd sneak off and cut classes and go get into lots of trouble. I mean, not that I ever did that, but you know, people did. The point of practice is to figure out any problems that are going to come up well ahead of time, right? You want to know if you are not sure where your rally point outside of the school is, or if the teacher doesn't have a full roster for the class. Same thing with your practice at home. You want to be able to think through what things may have changed or might be different with different disasters or different situations without needing to think through every single thing you need to do while an actual disaster is happening. If you've practiced, you already know what to do. And if something has changed, all you have to do is slightly course correct to figure things out. First responders do this kind of thing all the time. For example, if you've ever seen a team of firefighters get out of a fire, they're not having to talk through who's going to grab what hoses, who's going to roll things out, who has that giant wrench that works the fire hydrant that some guy parked in front of. They know exactly what they're doing when they get out, what their roles are. That way, even though every fire is different, every house is a little different, exactly what's going on may have changed. They all know their roles, and so they can adapt really easily and make good decisions because their minds aren't distracted just fire trying to figure out which end of the hose plugs into what part of the fire truck.
1: Right, and it's not just first responders who practice things like emergency preparedness. But before we get into that, Let's hop into a quick commercial break.
0: Globally Heated is brought to you in part by the Heat Island Effect. No, this is not a season of Survivor where all the contestants are supermodels. Heat islands are the newest advancement in the urban trapping of infrared radiation. It just wouldn't be the concrete jungle without a solid baking heat measurable by satellites. Globally Heated has teamed up with Heat Islands this week to bring you the most advanced offerings in urban contributions to climate change. I personally use heat islands all the time when I travel to any major city, and I can truthfully say my planet has never been warmer. Too much green space got you down? Give heat islands a try. They've worked for millions, and I guarantee they'll make you sweat or your money back.
1: Welcome back from that strange experience. Let's shake off those images together, and I can explain how we used practice to be prepared while I was a Peace Corps volunteer. One thing that we talk about a lot in Peace Corps is the possibility of evacuation, which is something that became a very scary reality uh, during the COVID-19 crisis, um, since Peace Corps evacuated every single volunteer around the entire world, which was literally thousands of people uh, within a very short period of time. But we actually practice how to be prepared for any sort of evacuation while we're in country. So something that we had to do was have a evacuation point in a nearby town uh, where everyone in a certain region could come together and be able to evacuate from one specific rally point. So that if we needed to get picked up, there was a whole group of volunteers there and the staff didn't have to go out to each individual community and pick up each individual volunteer, which would have been Incredibly inefficient. But we had to practice getting to that point because transportation for most Peace Corps volunteers is not quite as easy as it is for a lot of other people. Uh, Bus schedules are unreliable. We aren't allowed to drive cars or motorcycles for the most part. And so we had to practice getting to those points so that we knew when a disaster or emergency hit or when we needed to evacuate that we could get there because we'd already done it.
0: That's pretty cool stuff. And a great example of how lots of people who aren't just first responders but are in any kind of high-risk situation or potentially high-risk situation use practice and planning beforehand to make sure that things go hopefully as smoothly as possible in the event that they're needed. Hopefully, no one out there that's listening to this is having to evacuate from a foreign country. But uh, if you are, I hope we're entertaining on the uh, long flight or uh, you know, boat ride in a cargo container or however you're getting out of there. But for everyone else, now that you have a plan put together and you know all the supplies you need, the first step in your own personal practice is going to be packing those evacuation supplies. Practice putting together enough food, medication, water, clothing, first aid supplies, anything else that you might need to get through the first few days of the disaster or to evacuate if you need to leave the area. The exact amount will depend on how far you're going to have to travel and how long it will take you to get there or how long you think you might have to shelter in place during the disaster. A big thing to remember is something like gas for your vehicle, especially if you have to drive for an evacuation. Depending on the type of disaster, gas may not be as readily accessible as it normally is. That corner gas station that you always go to to fill up may have sold out if everyone knows that a big storm is coming and they're all going to need gas for generators or evacuation. So you may have to be ready to drive quite a ways to go get fuel for your car. So if you live in a place where, say, uh, hurricanes are common, there's a specific season for them, during hurricane season, I always make sure that my vehicle is at least half, if not three quarters full. I try not to let it get real low, just in case a big storm comes, and you have to evacuate, you can at least drive out of town and find several different gas stations until you find one that uh, hasn't sold out. Or, if you're a responder out there, if you have to report to work, be driving around and doing a lot of stuff, You just need to make sure that your vehicle is ready to go. Also, don't forget to include things like kids, pets, elderly pets, elderly people, anyone that you take care of. Basically, don't overlook anyone that's not going to be quite as self-sufficient in the event of a disaster. You need to include them in your planning and practice. If you have kids that are old enough, have them practice packing their own bags and help them out so that they know what they need to put in there Right, Not just stuffed animals and gummy bears, but also things to round that out, like Reese's Pieces, and what they can pack themselves and what you need to pack for them in the event of an emergency. So you need to teach them those things. If you have pets, I guess you can practice putting them in the car, or they can just hang out while you do all the work. I'm not super sure exactly what pets do.
1: Yeah, with pets, it can be really important to get them used to the whole process of packing or evacuating or, like Alex said, getting them into the car. If that's something that they're not used to and they've never done before, you don't want it to be the first time your dog has ever gotten into the car when a Category 5 hurricane is about to make landfall and you're already stressed out and running around like a chicken with your head cut off. So. Yeah, definitely include kids and pets and any other dependents or anyone that you care for. If you have access to a vehicle and the time and means to practice driving your evacuation route, you should. Remember that cell service may be spotty or non-existent during a disaster. Practice your route so that you can memorize landmarks that will get you to that location without needing a GPS. And practice getting to any emergency meetup locations. If you have kids that are in school, pick a day to practice with them. Guide them to any emergency pickup location and coach them through who they may need to call. Make sure they know your phone number by memory and any other important emergency numbers. If you have an elderly relative or other dependent that you care for, make sure they're comfortable getting to safety on their own. Don't just talk about it. Walk through it with them.
0: Obviously, there will be parts of your plan that you can't physically practice. Or maybe practicing is beyond the constraints of your time and financial resources. Either way, that doesn't mean you can't practice at all. But before we get into practicing without having to spend a bunch of time and money, uh, let's take a quick break for a totally nonsensical commercial that's going to waste a lot of time and money.
1: This week's episode of Globally Heated is brought to you by Low Bandwidth Reverb you too can be the center of attention at your next socially distanced work meeting. Just lower that bandwidth and get some good echoes, pauses, full-on freezes, and the best, ear-splitting feedback. Rock the meeting and ruin people's day with low-bandwidth reverb. Low-bandwidth reverb. (laughs) Not reverb. Sure to win someone some conference call bingo points.
0: And we're back. And all of... A little more disturbed for having listened to that commercial. Anyway, as we were saying, in public safety, we do exercises, which some people call practices or field training events. I don't know, things that we regularly do to walk through situations and get to get our uh, bearings. And I'm just rambling, so I'm going to. And oftentimes we do ones that are called tabletop exercises. These are exercises that usually involve a large tabletop, preferably in a conference room, preferably with plenty of donuts and coffee. That's how you lure people into them, and then you have to lock the doors so that they stay there, because otherwise they will say they're going to the bathroom and never come back. Tabletop exercises are basically a guided walkthrough of everything that you're going to do in a disaster. for professional responders usually it's making sure that everyone has coordinated and talked through what their part of the response is going to look like. So say utility workers are going to need to go out after a storm and work on down power lines and they might need fire rescue to assist them with caring for people that may have been injured by these power outages or collapse lines or whatever. So they're going to make sure during these tabletop exercises that their people have ways to communicate with each other. What if cell signal's down? Do they have radio backups? All these things. So they're just talking through their process and kind of gaming things out. They're visualizing exactly what they're going to do as much as possible so that they can encounter any problems that they might have ahead of time and figure out workarounds before the actual disaster happens. You too can do a tabletop exercise on your own with your own personal response plan. For example, evacuation routes. If you can't drive or walk your evacuation or emergency rendezvous routes, go ahead and draw them out on a map. Or you can use something like Google Street View to identify landmarks that you'd be very likely to recognize when you're actually on the ground, driving or walking or however you're going to leave. As far as supplies, if you can't put everything together all at once, just go through your list and evaluate what you're actually going to need and think about where you're going to have to go in your home or vehicle to get those things. Make sure that it's reasonable that you're not having to fight your way through the attic past a whole bunch of Christmas decorations you haven't put up in five years to go get that, you know, little emergency kit that you packed forever ago and has a bunch of expired stuff in it. Think like, oh, could I get to this in a hurry? And then think critically about the things that you are taking. Make sure that you have the essentials. It doesn't do you a whole lot of good to evacuate from a really bad storm and then not have any water with you.
1: Yeah, a lot of what we do in tabletop exercises is exactly that. We think critically about the situation, ask thoughtful questions, and assume some things will go wrong or differently than we might anticipate when we run through different scenarios. Then we think about solutions to problems and practice them so we are as prepared as possible before we are stressed by a disaster. There's no reason you can't do the same at home, at work, or in your community. Part of your practice should be having preparedness conversations with the people around you. Awesome. You have a company plan for evacuating the building in the event of a fire? Cool! Can you use that evacuation plan if the hazard is a tornado or an active shooter? Is that plan going to need to look different for those situations? Practice and mentally walking through those scenarios with your coworkers and supervisors will allow you to recognize where those plans may have struggle points and how best you can correct or adjust them.
0: Sam has actually been very industrious and Written a blog post uh, that also has a visual component that is a tabletop exercise you can adapt to use with your family, community, or even in a workplace setting. So you should go check that out if you're still unsure what kind of practice you can do and what it would look like and how you can do it without a lot of expensive supplies or driving a long way to practice something like an evacuation route. Finally, another great way to kind of bolster all this practice that you're doing is preparedness training. Training is guided practice to gain certain skills and abilities. You use it to make yourself more prepared and more confident. So training itself is not an all-encompassing disaster response. Knowing CPR and first aid are not your solutions to every situation. They're tools that you get to carry with you without really having to carry anything with you, although I guess CPR and first aid, it's helpful to have a few things. There are other classes that a lot of times people don't think about. For example, defensive driving, which is not like some super crazy James Bond style spinning the car around driving. It's how to be a safer, better driver, how to look further ahead on the road as you're driving so you can see bad situations coming up, what to do if you have a tire blowout out um, or hit a slick patch and start to hydroplane these really basic driving skills that really most of us don't have and don't get a chance to practice. So getting some of these trainings can help you with just everyday parts of your life if something goes wrong, but especially in a disaster, it gives you a little bit more ability to be self-reliant and to be a little calmer knowing that you have some of this training and experience. But until you can put that information and those supplies together, and really know what you're going to do with them if and when a disaster does strike. You could be stuck in a situation where things are a little tense. You might be a little bit panicked or a little bit concerned or have a lot on your mind. You might be worried about other people you know you need to take care of. And just because you haven't walked through these things before, it becomes a much more major stumbling block than it needs to be. So practice is incredibly important. There's a saying called practice how you play. And it just means take things as seriously as possible, think and walk through them in as much detail as you can. Anything that you can actually play out and physically do, go for it. That is a great way to really foolproof it, make sure you've thought of all those little things that sometimes slip our mind when we're just picturing a process rather than actually doing it. But short of that, we have tabletop exercises, which are just a way to play out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it in the event of a disaster. All of this helps make your mind more resilient, which is going to make you more resilient in the face of a stressful situation. And that way, you can become one of the people that helps themselves and their community get through the disaster, rather than becoming a victim.
1: Okay my friends, here is where we get into what we have nerdily, yet lovingly named, the Cool It Toolkit.
0: You're a toolkit.
1: I think you mean you're a toolkit, but...
0: I am. Everyone's a toolkit now. We've prepared them so well. They're full of tools.
1: Every episode, we'll spend a few brief yet wondrous moments discussing what the heck you and everybody else can do about this nutball world of ours and what's happening in it. You can find all of the resources and links we mention here through the Cool It toolkit page on our website at globallyheated.com and feel free to reach out if there's something you want to see that isn't there. In this episode, we discussed what you can do to be prepared when it comes to practicing your plan, including how to do so even if physically doing all of those things isn't an option. And we use a lot of really great resources to put all of this information together, so go take a look. This week, our biggest piece of advice is, shocker, practice. Practice. Walk your emergency routes, drive your evacuation routes, get to know the places you plan to go, and do that with the people you are most likely to be with during an emergency. Access the training resources you can, whether that be in person, like CPR or first aid, or online, like the many free online courses offered through FEMA. Look into joining your local community emergency response team, otherwise known as CERT or look into volunteering with a response organization in your community, like the American Red Cross or your local fire department. All of these organizations can help you learn skills that would be helpful to you, your family, and your community during a disaster.
0: CERT is a great organization to get involved with. We're certain you'll get a lot out of it. Red Cross our heart and hope to not die. Anyway, Definitely click through the sources we've linked on how to troubleshoot your emergency plans and think through some different scenarios that are possible in your area using your practice and training. Things rarely go the way we think they will during a disaster. One of the biggest elements of preparedness is being ready to change your plans if necessary. Also, listen to our podcast. Listening to our podcast is critical to surviving any disaster. Well,
1: the world is hotter but hopefully we've all got a little more context for what's happening on it. That's all we've got for you guys this week. Thanks for listening to all of our shenanigans, and please subscribe if you want to hear more from us on a weekly basis. Feel free to leave us a review on any and all of your podcast apps.
0: Seven thumbs up. There are no more stars. We've gotten rid of stars. It's just thumbs up, and there's seven of them. Give us all of them. That's how people find us. That and private detectives.
1: Or, you know... Give us those five-star reviews because uh, that's actually how people find us.
0: Yes, on Amazon. Not not the webpage, the large tropical area, rainforest. That's what I was going for. Also, check out our website, globallyheated.com, for podcast notes. And so you can follow our blog. They'll have posts in there that are almost as crazy as our amazing discussions it's kind of like listening to us, except you can picture Morgan Freeman's voice in your head, so it's less annoying. Also, Sam has created a bunch of cool infographics, and one day I will create a less cool one. Think like XKCD, but not smart or funny.
1: And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Globally Heated, for updates on the podcast and blog. The music in our episodes is by Kevin McLeod.
0: He's pretty awesome.
1: For sure. Anyway,
0: until next time. Stay splendid folks.
1: Stay safe out there. <laughs>